You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much for this opportunity again today to be here and to learn more about your plan for our lives, our homes, our marriages, the way that you want us to learn how to relate with each other and with others. So today, as John and Marcia present, I just pray for your spirit to be here, that you will speak through them, and that you will speak right to our hearts so each one of us will hear what we need to hear. Thank you so much for um, this beautiful day and for being able to be here at camp meeting, and um, we're just excited for what you're going to teach us. So thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gail. I appreciate the opportunity to come. Um, You know, presenting is fairly second nature to me. Um, If I have a love or passion that I go home excited after doing it, standing up front here and doing it not because I like the, the, to hog the attention or to have the spotlight on me is that I am always so excited to wonder what God's going to do through these lips of mine. Um, I spoke uh, in April. I went up to Camp Asable to speak to the women's ministry leaders for the, for the year, and uh, I lost my presentation, or my presentation went away on my computer. I couldn't find it at all. Um, I couldn't pull it up on my cell phone, nor could I pull it up on my iPad. I mean, I'm a technology person. I have backup plans. And so then all I had was the PowerPoint that they were showing me. And if you're going to begin seeing, my PowerPoints are nothing like anybody else's. It doesn't have lots of flowery words on them to remember everything I'm going to say. So I literally prayed, God, you got to give me the words because I don't know. And here we go. Well, after I got done and I went back and my mind was reviewing the stories I told, I realized I told none of the stories I had set out to tell. Why is that? Well, come to find out there's somebody who was there that day that needed to hear a couple of those stories. So that's why this is so exciting and I'm so excited to be here. I did bring my husband kicking and dragging, or dragging and kicking, screaming, yes. Um, He's not a big upfront guy. But I do appreciate him. He um, very much so. We have been married 32 and a half, almost 33 years. Sorry, I have to think about that. Um, he's better at those numbers than I am. Um, so what gives us the ability to speak on conflict? Well, number one, we've been married for 33, or almost 33 years. Um, number two, we are, he's a man and I'm a woman. That's another reason I can speak about conflict. Um, let's see. In our married life, We've encountered infertility, depression, adoption, building a house, um, the death of a parent, to name a few, not to name all the other little things that we have to deal with, having nieces and nephews come and live with us who needed help, knowing that you never know when a phone call is going to come and say, Aunt Marcia. I feel like I need to check myself into a psych ward, and I'm going my way. I'm on my way. Those are the things that we've had to deal with. He's also, he'll tell you, I had no really gray hair till I got married, and now I got a plethora of it. Um, but that also could do the fact that, what, I had emer- how many emergency surgeries? 
two, or three? About three, not to count the ones that weren't emergencies. So I think we've got enough baggage to say that I can talk a little bit about conflict, because we've dealt with it a little bit. Not to say we don't have it all perfect now. No, because conflict is just part of life. So before I go any further, I'm going to show you five animals. And I want you to just in your mind or write them down, and I'll come back to this, which animal you feel you most relate to. And I'm going to give you very little information about each animal, just the name of it. But just one of those animals that you think, wow, I really relate to them. Oh, wait, I forgot to pull the... We're going to pretend that this is the... Well, we'll go to this one first. This is an owl. Okay? So do you relate to being an owl? Do you relate to being a fox? Or do you like the fox? How about a teddy bear? Are you a teddy bear? Are you a turtle? I'm trying to think what this one should be. No, because the zebra's the same as the fox. Oh, this is to be the lion. Sorry, the lion. So pretend that it's not really a lion, but we're pretending it's a lion. So owl, fox, teddy bear, turtle, or lion. And I'll come back to those. All right? So you got to keep that in mind. So we will... I really probably need you up here moving things along, maybe a little bit. Okay, so let's take a look at some Bible texts as to what the Bible has to say about conflict. So our first one, and if you have your Bibles with you, you can more than welcome pull those up, but Proverbs 14.29 says, A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. So, all right. So which one of those are you? Oh, I didn't ask that question out loud. That was just in my head. Well, that's a whole other story, huh? About saying things. There we go. Got to put the filter back into place. Yeah, there we go. Romans 12, 17 and 19. Or 17 through 19. Find it here. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So we're to live at peace? Hmm. We failed. Here we go. Colossians 3.13 Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you glad that I have to live by that rule? Yes, it is. So let's go to the next one. Leviticus 19.18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You mean I can't hold a grudge against you either? Nope. Even when I think you should be with me and not out running around in your golf cart visiting everybody? 
Oh, Correct. he's a loop host here. Yeah. I can't maybe. So on Sun on Thursday night, when we came here last Thursday night, it's um Proverbs 15:1, he goes, Oh, I'm gonna run down and get my golf cart and my radio. And I says, Oh bye, I'll see you next Sunday. She and did. Of, <laughs> and one of the other loop hosts gave me a dirty look and I says, Listen here, I'm telling you the truth. I don't see him a whole lot in camp meeting time. But I've come to grips with that, and that's okay for the most part. Hey, okay, go on. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Isn't that your kind of that's philosophy what I say. in life? All right, so this is just, the Bible is full of text that talks about how we should be responding to one another, what it is, how we should be treating one another. And we really need to take these words to heart. And I know it's so hard because, man, when somebody close to you, and it seems like we are the worst with the people who we are closest to. You know, they're the ones that we feel should deal with our trash more than anybody else, and we treat them the worst. I mean, would you think about telling, you know, maybe your boss some things? Maybe you do think about it. But do you actually say things of which in the end you might say to your spouse or your close ones that are living it? near you? No, we tend to temper ourselves and what we say to those outside of that family circle, but we seem to think within our family that we can say whatever we want. I recently gave a talk at our church, and I said, speaking at my church is more challenging for me, or I get more stressed about it, than I do like coming to camp meeting and speaking. Well, why is that? Because those are the people in my family and my church, and they can they feel free to tell me where I've gone, you know, what I've not done right. We do that even within our church. So this, this what we're talking about today is not just going to apply to you and your uh, maybe marriage relationship, or you and if you are getting married or engaged or whatever. This is actually something that we can apply to any relationship we have if that relationship means anything to you at all. So what types of conflicts do we have in our marriages? How many of you have conflicts sometimes over money? I, maybe you, you, know, you can raise your hand if you want to. Maybe there's conflict over children. Maybe there's conflict over intimate relationship. Maybe there's conflict about the time of part. You kind of heard it in my voice a little bit when I say that he's here at camp meeting doing all his running around and I don't see him as much. Well, that, we could say, would be a little bit of that time apart. Um, how many of you have conflict about your household chores? How many of you think that the other partner should be doing more? <laughs> Let's be honest. There's usually something. Um, it used to be, I don't think I do it quite as much anymore, that I used to rearrange the dishwasher after he loaded it. And he caught on to me doing that one time, and then he said, fine, I'm not going to do it. And then I realized I needed to stop doing that if I ever wanted him to, you know, put dishes in the dishwasher ever again. Um, so no, there are just things that happen. There are things in our house you would probably look at our house and figure we're a fairly traditional home in regards to the majority of the inside 
chores I take care of, but then I don't have to do any of my lawn mowing or repair on my vehicles or anything like that. He takes care of it. But yet we have some good friends where she's more of the one apt to do the outside chores, you might say, than he is. And so you're going to figure out what works in your relationships and what works in that relationship. So other things, conflicts that you have um, about your friends, is there issues where maybe they have a, some friends that they really like and, oh, they just irritate you to no end. Um, well, I got rid of all those friends for you, didn't I? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> maybe there's a habit that they have that you don't like. You know, does that spouse or that significant other have something that just gets under your skin every time they do it and you're like, oh, why? Okay, those would be things that would cause a conflict. Families, how many of you love your in-laws? Oh, I see only a few hands. I better raise mine, mine are here. <laughs> um, no, but the, that, that happens. You know, families, you don't, I don't care what anybody says. I had one guy tell me this I worked with. He says, I am marrying that girl, I'm not marrying her family. I'm like, then I thought years later, dude, that's why you just got divorced. Because you can't take one without the other. You really can't, unless they have nothing to do with their family, then I think it's totally different. But if you have a partner, and a spouse and a partner, and they have a good relationship with their family, but you don't like their family, you guys have got to get something worked out and worked it out fast. Because it would be awful in, for you to actually be a wedge in, in a relationship like that. Um, Mom, I have to tell a story on us. So, um, John, when he was born, they, his mama and they, dad, they already had two older girls, and she just figured she was going to have a third girl. They had a third girl's name already picked out for him. So when he was born at the hospital as a boy, what was surprised they had to come up with a different name. Well, the name that they had chosen for him to be, if he was a girl, they would tease him about it growing up. And they would jokingly call him this name a number of times. Well, the reality is his name was to have been, if he was a girl, was to have been Marcia Jean. Keep in mind, that is my first and middle name, Marcia Jean. Okay? So, my now mother-in-law, on our wedding day, actually after the ceremony when we were ushering everybody out, she gave me a big hug and said, finally, after 21 years, I have my Marcia Jean. Do you think that set a tone for our relationship that we still have to this day? So even though you may, maybe you're married and you know, you're here listening to this, and if you have maybe kids that are going to be coming of age, or maybe you have kids who are already married and you don't have a good relationship with that, their partner, I would advise you to get that fixed. Because this is critical. Because if you can make sure they're happy with their family and that their family can feel welcome in your home, then you can have much happier family gatherings. I have heard people who say, 
oh, I can't stand the holidays. I have to go visit this family, and I have to go visit this family. Well, in my family, we're crazy enough that we usually haul my mother-in-law out with us to Pennsylvania to my family's gatherings. Or we've had times where we've all met in Berrien, when Ron and Shauna, John's sister, her husband were with us as well. We've had big gathering because that's what we do. Instead of having to separate people to the holidays, bring them all together. And I feel so blessed because of that. But for those of you who are mother-in-laws or who are to become mother-in-laws, it is critical how you treat that woman who is marrying your son or who has married your son. Don't criticize her because you know what? She chose your son to marry. And so those of you who are husbands, if you're criticizing your wife and her choices, remember she chose you. Right? Same way around. Right? You chose your wife, she or she chose you? Oh, well, but still it's a choice. Whether it's an acceptance or rejection, it's a choice. There is a choice. So I told that to a couple of some of friends of mine that got married um, a couple of years ago. I said, listen, Nathan, she chose you. Don't criticize her. But we have to remember that. We're so quick to do those kinds of things to cause antagonism in our relationships that we have to remember that this is somebody who at some point we loved and we appreciated something about them. Does that mean I wake up every day going, woohoo, I like John? No. I choose daily to love John, but I struggle sometimes to like him. Is there anything wrong in saying that out loud? No, but it's a choice. I then, I, obviously the Bible gives me lots of guidance as to how I need to deal with all of that. And it's my choice whether to, to how I'm going to deal with that. But one of the texts that John read talks a lot about how we need to speak kindly to one another. The Bible also talks about, I think this will be some texts we have coming up about how we need to uplift one another. Do you uplift somebody by putting them down? No, you don't. So, <clears throat> let's talk about five conflict management styles. Did you know that you have a basic conflict management style? And so think about these as we talk about them in regards to your relationship with potentially, maybe it's with, if you're married, it's with your spouse. If you are um, not married, maybe it's somebody that you're close to. Um, but just let's kind of think about these conflict styles. When we think about these, and when you're looking at the axis, going up the side has to deal with how important is an issue to you. And then going across the bottom is how important is that relationship to that person. Okay? So you all have written down your animal, right? That you thought about, whether it was the owl, the fox, the bear, the, the shark, or the turtle. Or the lion. Not the shark. Shark is the other one that you can use. Lion. So you've thought about them. This is where they're going to come into play. This is where you're going to begin making a connection. If the issue is not important to you, and if the relationship is not important to you, you're going to take on an, an 
avoiding tactic. You will avoid the situation. So what one of these animals do you think is an avoider? The turtle, because he can go into his shell. Okay? So when you think about it, are you an avoider? Was there something about this turtle or being a turtle that you like? Because you can just kind of get in that shell and hide from everything. But if you do that, thinking about this conflict management, you are saying, essentially, that I don't care about the issue, which that happens, but I don't care about you as a person either. So I would hope that when it comes to your relationships, none of you really are a turtle. I would think of this as a big old snapping turtle. We don't really want to be turtles when it comes to conflict management. I'm not telling you we're going to ever get rid of conflict. It's all learning how to manage it. So we don't want to be that turtle because we still want to make sure that that person is important to us. And so this is why we would not be want to be that turtle. So the next one, let's go to the lion. This is the competing one. The competing one is where the issue is important to you, but the person is not. So do you take on this, it's me or nothing. I'm going to have my way. It doesn't matter what that other person thinks, because I want it done the way I want it done. That's your shark or your lion, okay? So sometimes you may feel that way. Um, there have been a few times in our marriage that I know I have taken on that competing attitude, but it hasn't gotten me very far. In fact, it can cause a real strain in a relationship if you take on that um, attitude of a lion. Because can you think about what's going to happen there? They'll begin feeling like they really don't matter and that this person's going to bowl me over. Now, what we find interesting is what other people outside of our relationships think about our own conflict management within a relationship. Some cousin of my husband's told my mother-in-law one time, they said they felt sorry for John because they thought he was henpecked. All right, so that must mean that I had come across publicly with an attitude of a lion about situations. All right? We sort of laughed when she told me that because if any of you know John at all, the dude can dig in and he can just be like, ah, I'm going to make it seem like that you're getting in your way, but uh, I'm not going to let you because I feel very strongly about something. And so, you know, that, that has bothered me, though, that that was a perception that I treated John that way, because it's really not. It's just that yeah, there seems to be a lot of things that I do, because I'm the idea generator in the house. But um, I don't think you still feel that way too much, do you? Nah, just a little... Just because I got the dog I wanted, right? <laughs> just wear them down, wear them down, I say. No, just kidding. All right, so the next one is um, the where the issue's not important to you, 
but the relationship's important to you. That's the accommodating one. The issue you could really care less about, but the um, person is everything to you. You become the teddy bear. Are you the teddy bear when it comes to your relationship? You know, are you the one that you're just like, oh, it doesn't matter. Let them have whatever they want because I love them so much. Is that totally healthy for you? No, it's not. So yes, there's great things about the teddy bear, especially if you have issues that really aren't that big of a deal, which I believe that, John, you have a lot of the teddy bear in you. Because you feel like, well, it just doesn't matter. Um, what makes the wife happy makes my life happy. Um, <laughs> but this would be times of which then, you know, the teddy bear, he would be like, oh, it doesn't matter where we go as long as we can go together. I think I've heard them say that. doesn't matter where we go out to eat as long as we go out to eat together. And I'd be like, just make a decision. Do we want to go to Silver Beach Pizza or do we want to go to um, Moe's or something like that? And they'd be like, I don't care. I'm like, just make a decision. Because I don't want to make the decision because I'm trying to let him make the decision so it doesn't appear that I'm running over him all the time. So then finally I just usually make the decision. But so that's the teddy bear. We love teddy bears, especially us with strong personalities love the teddy bears because it does seem that we are getting our way an awful lot. All right. So the next one, are you a fox? The fox is the compromiser. This is kind of I give, you give. I'm going to give in a little bit. You're going to give in a little bit. Um, truthfully, this is considered a lose-lose relationship in some respects. If the issue's big enough for you, and the person's a big enough issue for you, somebody's got to give up something for the fox. The fox is a compromise. So if we were to say, hey, we're we need to go on vacation. We really do need to go on vacation. Um, and I said, okay, I would like to go just sit on the beach somewhere. And John would say, oh, but I would like to go to the mountains or go camping or something like that. And we can't agree. So we don't go on vacation at all. So who has won? Nobody. So it's a lose-lose. Okay. So it's important that you understand that if you want to be a fox, that you would choose carefully what you feel like you're compromising. You know, is this something that in the end we're both going to regret that we didn't do something? You know, we would regret if we didn't go on vacation because we would just get too frazzled. Though I'm not sure when that vacation's coming. Pardon? In 2026. Yeah, because Carol will be in vet school by then. Maybe she'll be married and be out of her hair. Doesn't happen that way, Mom, does it? After your, your child's 50-some years old, they're still in right there, right? Um, so, yeah. So being a fox, compromise is not always the best thing. Compromise does work for many things. 
And if the issue's not that big of a deal, if you want to give your opinion, great. But if you're like, you know what, in the end, it doesn't matter, then being a fox is fine. But there are times of which it's important not to be the fox. So are you an owl? An owl is a collaborator. An owl is willing to say, I want to do whatever we can to work together to make sure this works. I will put forth any effort that I have to make sure that this relationship works, to make sure that we work through this conflict. Because not only is the issue important to me, but that person is important to me. And this is where the title of this presentation hits the road, right here. Relationships are not for the faint of heart. Because to be a collaborator is not an easy task. Collaboration is nothing that you do and you will have quick results or you can do it very quickly. Usually a solid collaboration about an issue can take two to a couple weeks to figure out, depending on the, the bigness of the issue or how you really feel about something. So we're now going to spend time in our next half of the presentation as to learning how to be owls. Because this is my goal. I would like you all to be able to be an owl at some point in time in your relationship. So we have a seven-step win-win problem solving that I'll explain to you, and then John and I are going to demonstrate it, okay? Um, oh, I just want to clarify, he, he's just doing Bible text and things like that, but that's as much as I can get him to do. I had him do this at a marriage retreat one time for Gail. She had us go up to Crystal Mountain, and somebody critiqued us and said that I should have given John more talking time. So I want you to know out front that this is his choice, so that he's, you know, he's, he's okay, he's happy this way. In fact, he's maybe a little nervous because he even has to do that much. All right, so let's move on. Okay, here is the seven-step win-win problem solving. Do you want to read these texts or I can? You gonna? Okay. Okay. So the first one, okay, so what I'm about to tell you is the culmination of what could be a 16-week class, a communications class that I've taught at Andrews University culminates into these next seven steps. Any communication tactic, tool that I would teach you, you would use in the seven-step problem solving. So if you ever get a chance to take a an interpersonal communication course, do it. It's the best thing you will ever choose to do because you will learn how to communicate better. Because you know what? We teach our children how to talk. We teach them how to walk. But do we ever really teach them how to communicate? Do they have, do you have classes on how to communicate? No, you don't. And, but yet what do we do most of our lives? We communicate. So if, you're, if your children are communicating poorly, they probably have learned it from you. Because they're communicating how it's been demonstrated to them how to communicate. 
Now, we've had a very open communication in our house, which sometimes with a 19-year-old gets me in trouble because she says what's ever on her mind. But I've wanted her to feel open that she can say what's ever on her mind. But again, if you allow these things, you know, it's going to come back to you. You have to decide how it is. I really want them to communicate. Anyway, I get off track. So let's go back. So the first part is we need to define the issue. So if you're going to do a win-win, you need to define what is the actual issue. And I have actually come up or looked through, decided that these Bible verses back up this win-win problem solving. So the first one is in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. We should recognize 1 Corinthians 13, 13 as being what chapter in the Bible? The love chapter, that is correct. Verses 4 through 7 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. So, I feel that when you're defining an issue that you guys need to work through, that you're working through with, your, with the person who this is really a big deal, that you need to keep these things in mind as the issue is stated. And it's important that each of you are very clear about what the issue is. So is the issue where we're needing to go on vacation, we'll take something, we won't get into truly extreme personal issues, but is that the issue and you can't agree on that and it's causing some strife in the relationship and if so, as you define the issue, you need to be patient, you need to not envy, you need to not boast. Those are, this is the verse that takes us through what is that issue. Then what you're going to have, you're going to then give each other some time apart, of which each of you need to define your needs. So take a little piece of paper, say, my needs are, and you will write them down. Everything that you feel your need is. My need is to get to the beach. I want to hear the waves just go along the shore because that just takes my stress away. Um, so I'm going to list everything that I feel my needs are. And so in doing so, let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 2. Did I write that down and put 4-2 in my Bible? I've been known to do that. Oh, that, I'm in Ephesians. I need Philippians. There we go. Whew, my back's not right. Okay, Philippians 2.4 says, Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. So when you're defining your needs... You need to also keep in mind, hopefully, one of your needs is, is that you love your partner enough that you want to make sure they're happy. That's kind of where this text is leading us. So we want to have that happening. Okay? Then the next step 
is then your guys are going to come together. And this is where you need to listen to your partner's needs. Now, I know that it's very hard sometimes for some of us to keep our mouth shut. But remember, you have two ears, one mouth, use them in proportion to one another. Okay? I love that phrase. So there should be, when you're defining, or when you're listening to each other, or you're listening to your partner say their needs, you are not to be rebutting, going, yeah, but, yeah, but. Well, no, I didn't say that. Or I don't mean that. No, you're listening to their needs. Your mouth is shut unless you're asking them to clarify something that they have said. But you are not to be listening to figure out how you're going to rebut back everything that they said. This is not the time for rebuttal. Never in this process is a time for rebuttal. This is a time for you to be listening. And listening would be require good listening skills. Means paying attention, generally eye contact. Um, if you have to, write down what they're saying. If you all have great memories, that's awesome, but I think the older I get and the worse my memory has gotten. And um, so I'm like, okay, I want to make sure, or if they have it written down, you can say, can I have your list so I can make notes on it? But then that gets me too far ahead of what they're saying. I really need to pay attention to what that person is saying. Because what? I love that person. And they're important to me. So then we go to the next step. After we've heard each other's needs, then you come up with, and if you've got a whiteboard, a chalkboard, or a big piece of paper, then I recommend you writing down all possible solutions. And right now, you're sometimes thinking more about the quantity. I miss James. Oh, listening to the other people's needs. Thank you. So I listened to my husband's needs. So let me go back and give you the text for James. Because this was the listening one, right, John? Um, James 1.19 says, i to get my eyes adjusted here. My dear brothers, take note to this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So what does that say? Slow to, quick to listen, slow to speak. Yeah, but, yeah, but. My worst two, I hate that phrase. Anyway, okay, let's move on. So possible solutions. Ephesians 4, um, 29. And here what I was saying is that these are solutions of which, like I said, they can seem to be the oddest solutions, but sometimes the oddest thing ends up being what you both say is great. That's really what we needed. So Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. So this means you're not going to make fun of what they're saying, right? But only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs and that it may benefit those who listen. Okay? So we're listening to those possible solutions. Some of them may seem really weird, but you're going to list them all. Because then the next step is, you two then need to decide. And can you see how this is not something that's going to happen in an hour? And if you have family at home, any children or anything, this is not going to happen in that short of a time. 
So you now need to go through and figure out what is a possible solution. There should really be an S after solution, because sometimes you can come up with more than one solution. That's word cabal. So what does the Bible say about this? Let's turn to Hebrews 12, 15. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So here, you're wanting to find that solution. But you're wanting to find it, and, and the solution that you're wanting to find is one that you're both agreeable on. Not that you've got one solution that you're going to fight for. You've just defeated the whole purpose of this win-win. So you need to be able to come together and just figure out what actually would be the best solution. All right. Now we've got to implement it. You've got to put it into practice. You're going to say, okay, this is the solution we've come up with. Let's try it out. 1 Peter 3 8 through 11 says, Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Live as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Be compassionate and humble. Okay, humble. Did you get, catch that? Humble. We're not necessarily humble people. Many are not. Um, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessings because to you this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So if you do this implementation, put it all together, I'm a firm believer blessings will come. You will be blessed. You will feel that your marriage is stronger, your relationship is stronger, having gone through this process. And then finally you have follow-up. Follow-up means that you pick a time where you say, you know what, let's come back and revisit this. Let's make sure we are still happy with the solution. Or, and if you're not, you've got to go back up. And this is where you don't throw away all those possible solutions. You, you really need to keep your homework on this because you sometimes have to go back up to all those possible solutions and re-look at some of those that you've picked out originally. And we're thinking that these were high on there because you might realize oh wait, that solution really is not working well. It's still not meeting the total needs. But can you see this is something that you don't do for just a petty little thing? This is something of which you're really, it might seem petty, because I'm sure the example we're going to give, people are going to be like, really? But no, it was an issue. And so this is just so important that you be willing to experience this in its whole. Don't rush this process. You will find that your relationship with the person will get better if you actually let this process go through. Because how are pearls made? They're an irritation. So anytime they irritate you, just think, ah, oh, I'm building a pearl. Because that's what it is. You're building a pearl, and that pearl can be a better relationship with that significant other right here and now. And that, I think, if you have that good relationship with that person here and now, 
should make your life outside of the home even better. Your home should be your haven. Your home should be where you can come to and just say, you know, put all the, the stuff that's happening out in the world out there. But home should be where, where you walk in the door and you should just hear the music play, the waterfalls, the petals come falling down. That should be what home... Okay, that's my ideal. Dude, there you go. Um, so that's what home should be. Home should not be something you should dread going to at the end of the day. Oh, I don't want to go home. I have all of this to do. No, hooray, I get to go home and do the dishes for my loved ones. Because that's what I get to do. At least we have dishes to eat off of, and there's food that we have on our table. That, uh, that's all I can get off started on that. Anyway, let's go to Matthew 5, 9. Then if you remember what's in Matthew 5, what's in Matthew 5? The Beatitudes. 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, daughters of God. So if you are so willing to become that peacemaker by going through maybe a process, God has said, you're my child. How awesome is that? That we can be called God's kid just because I'm willing to make peace. He doesn't say, oh, be a warrior and I'll give you peace. He says, or I'll make you my son. He says, be peaceful. All right, John, let's go through this conflict. Shall we? We're going to run through an example that actually was a reality in our home a, not, a long, long time ago, probably over 20 years ago. I still have it memorized. <laughs> only because, only because this has been uh, my go-to example for this conflict um, present for the conflict presentation for years. Normally, it's told from her side, though only. Yeah. So you all get a benefit today. You get to hear John's side of this. So the problem was, is that um, my family lives in this beautiful, awesome Keystone state of Pennsylvania. The problem is I married a Michigan boy and I, here, all right, that's all right, I survived, um, we're doing good. <laughs> but I'm really close, we're really close to my family. And so we would get, it would get so like we would plan on going out there for a long weekend or something. And my thinking was, as soon as we get off, like if we were going to leave on a Friday, as soon as you get off work on Thursday night, let's hop in the car and go. I want to have more time with my family because I miss them so much. What was your response to having to get up and, or do that travel all night? What was your thinking? It is hard on me, and I'm pretty well wiped out for the rest of the weekend. So, but I, I was being selfish. I just wanted to go to my family's and get there and have fun and, and not feel like I had a whole wasted day in the car because it's a nine-and-a-half, ten-hour trip out there, and I just wanted to go and just to sit in a car. Oh, man, at least at night I could sleep because I expected him to drive. Um, <laughs> I'm not a good passenger. <laughs> so please, don't, don't think that I'm not willing to drive. <laughs> so we then, I actually was taking a class in interpersonal when we first brought this up, because this was my first undergraduate class in interpersonal, the, when I started my communication stuff. So um, this came up, and I'm like, John, we should try this, because I was really getting so 
that when we would go to get ready to go on these trips, I was like uh, dreading them because of this little battle that was happening between us. And it got so that getting ready to go was not fun at all. It was just kind of like this little tug of war. And um, nobody was winning. We were just, it was getting, it was getting a little messy. So we then said, okay, we then, okay, I said, let's do this. We can do this. So I said, okay, let's define the problem. And the problem or the issue was is that we could not agree when to leave to go to Pennsylvania. That was the issue. Very specific. Not this wide open, maybe this, then, or uh, but but just this very specific issue. So then what it was, he went, wrote his own little list of what his needs were, and then I wrote my little list what my needs were. So John, what were some of your needs? <laughs> that too, but if my sleep patterns are badly interrupted, I'll get a migraine, and that is not good for me, and I'm not enjoying the time with her family, which I do enjoy the time with her family. <laughs> um, also, not getting sleep, I'm then wiped out for the weekend. I don't enjoy that time either. Um, that's pretty well, but I still want to make her happy, and so it was kind of hard to do that. <laughs> and my needs were, I wanted to spend as much time as possible with my family, and, but I also felt that one of my needs was that because I love my spouse very much, I cared for him and his welfare. And so that was an important need for me as well. So then we said, okay, those were our basic needs. And so then we're like, okay, we need to come up with some solutions. So what were some of our solutions at first? Do it my way. Leave at 8 o'clock in the morning like normal people. <laughs> But I wanted to do it my way and leave that night and not care how you, well, I did care, but I just figured you could get over the migraine. So the other idea was just don't go at all. And I thought, well, well, I could just go without him. Those were some of our, our solutions. Then you have to drive. Yes. <laughs> um, there was more than that, but we could take a long time to talk about what all those kind of, but I wanted to kind of show you some of the far-fetchedness that they could be, which was unrealistic. And those were the ones that were quickly marked off that that's not possible. For me to show up out in my families without John, my mom would have sent me right back to Michigan and said, no, we, we give, my sister and I give my mom a hard time. We tell her that she likes her sons-in-laws better than she likes her daughters. Because um, she sticks up for them more than she does us. I said, that's not fair. And she goes, but I know you. <laughs> but it's all right. My mother-in-law's on my side. Um, <laughs> so what we decided we would try out for our solution was to leave by around 6 a.m., that morning, like that, it was going to be a Friday morning. And if possible, if our work allowed it, we were going to take an extra day out there. So that's what we originally said we thought would be a good idea. So that way, with a 10-hour trip out there, at that time, my mom was still working. She was getting home about that time. So we would get out there sometime between 3, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I still didn't feel like we were getting in like it. 8 o'clock at night, because then I felt like we at least had a long evening in front of us. 
So that was the rationale that we kind of came up with. So we then said, okay, we don't get to go out to Pennsylvania, but a few times a year. So we knew that implementation was going to take a, a while for it to kick in. So what that would have easily been 25 years ago. And you know what? It's still in play today. It is still pretty much. And it works. It does work. We try to get up and leaving the good hour. Actually, it's even maybe even a little better now. Because what have we done now when we travel with the camper? Sometimes we'll leave at night, stay overnight in Ohio someplace, and then continue on. And because Ohio well. Turnpike has little camping sites for people that you pay 15, 20 bucks a night for electricity. You're not parked right next to the big rigs. You're out on the opposite side of the rest area. We're doing that in a few weeks. So it has even worked out to you because then we get what we do about three hours or so on the road at night. So then that puts us down to about six hours the next day. And we're pulling into mom and dad usually by early afternoon. So this is an example that I love to give because it does show that there has been success. Now, has every time we tried to do this work? No. There will be sometimes issues of which it's just not going to work. And then you have to decide if I go back through those conflict management styles, am I willing to kind of go, do I need to make an adjustment? And that's all right if you have, you will adjust. There will be times, situations that you will choose one style over another. And that's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But I just want you to make sure that when you choose that style, that you're not choosing it to hurt your partner or the person that you're doing this with. Because to me, this is the person that I've chosen. And they mean a lot, and he means a lot to me. And if I mess with him and mess up that relationship, then I have the potential of messing up the relationship with my in-laws as well. And um, they're important to me too. And so I just would like to challenge you that as you think about those conflicts that you have with one another, that is there a conflict that I'm having with someone right now that maybe I could try, we, and you have to have willing partners on each side, that we could try this win-win. But you both have to be willing. You cannot force a win-win problem solving on someone because they will sabotage whatever efforts are being put forth, and it will not be successful. And with that, I would like to end with a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for giving me the words to speak, and I pray, Lord, that they were the correct words. Lord, we are in the midst of the bigger conflict between good and evil. But Lord, you've given us your word. You've given us tools that help us to make our relationships better with one another. Lord, may we use the things that we've learned and may we be able to come away with having stronger relationships 
Because, Lord, we know that united together and with you, we are unstoppable against the devil. Because, Lord, we know that's what it is, that the devil is trying to destroy our families, and we do not want that, Lord. We want to be strong in you so that we can tell the devil, no, get out of my house. So again, Lord, I thank you and praise you for the ability to be here at camp meeting. And I pray that you'll be with all of us as we leave. May we continue to live in a way that's pleasing to you. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.